May we pray. God of holiness, your glory and your mighty works of salvation are proclaimed in every age. As we rejoice in the faith of your saints, inspire us to follow their example with boldness and with joy. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning. And happy All Saints Day. And it is so good to be back with you. This is a celebration of the life and the witness of God's people who model a relationship with God for us. I'm talking about those whom the universal church has set apart as saints and all those faithful followers of Jesus Christ, ancient and contemporary, those known to us through history as well as those known to us in this life. Just look around you. We are all saints. All Saints Day is also known as All Hallows Day, Day of All the Saints, Solemnity of All Saints, Feast of All Saints, or um, Hallow Mass. It is a day, uh, a feast day of the highest rank, and the liturgical celebration begins at Vespers on the evening of October 31st and ends at the close of November the 1st. All Hallows' Eve is remembered on October the 31st, which many know as Halloween today. Halloween is not usually looked upon as a saintly celebration anymore, but the church is entangled with All Hallows' Eve. Now, yesterday during All Souls' Day Mass, well, actually even the night before an Evensong on All Hallows' Eve, we talked about the history of these three days Um, All Hallows' Eve, All Souls' Day, and All um, Saints' Day. We talked about uh, what it means, the history of it, and so forth. And I hope that you were um, able to be here to hear it. Uh, This morning, there's a a lot going on. There's a lot in our passages, and we want to spend some time talking about baptism because that will be taking place today. So I'd like us to look at our Gospel reading. The Gospel reading this morning is called the, The Beatitudes, the first portion of the Sermon on the Mount, Well, actually, that's in Matthew chapter 5 is the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. That's where we find the Beatitudes. That was uh, one of the gospel readings that could be read today, as well as Luke's version of that. But this passage gives us the character qualities that are formed in the lives of those who submit themselves to King Jesus, build a relationship with him, and commit to follow the ways and the will of the kingdom of God. So Jesus forms in us all over time the characteristics of those who live a blessed life and this will impact the world this is what saintly people look like so when we look at this text and when we look at the one um, in matthew chapter 5 and we look at these blessed are these people this is what saints look like and and as i reminded the first service i want to remind you this is not something that's going to be formed in you by sheer willpower You can make that decision today to say, I'm deciding I'm going to live this way. And you know what? You're going to fall flat on your face. This is only done through the work in the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit who forms these characteristics inside of you as you submit yourself, yield yourself, make yourself a disciple of His and you apprentice yourself to Him. And then He forms these characteristics in your life. So Jesus is telling us the way of the kingdom. 
God is fulfilling his promises, and this is good news for people who haven't had any for a long time. The poor, the hungry, those who weep, those who are hated. The scripture says blessings on them. But when injustice is around, God loves to bring justice, to make things right, to bring his kingdom rule and reign. Jesus is giving us the way of the kingdom, the kingdom which still turns the world right side up. So on this special day, we remember those faithful witnesses, those saints who have gone before us, those who are still around us. They radiate kingdom living, all because of the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who forgives and transforms lives. And please hear this. This is a life that remembers and lives into their baptism. So we are all saints, the saints of God, who have and are still being transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is our vocation. This is our calling as Christians for all of us. May we live the words of Jesus, showing forth the character of the kingdom, living as saints for his glory in order that people will come to be disciples of Jesus Christ as well. Look, when, I want us to look at Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, because um, it talks about this, this thing called the great cloud of witnesses. And it says, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, and the faith of other believers throughout space and time, supports and encourages our own faith. We draw strength from the great cloud of witnesses that have gone faithfully before us. That's why whenever it is a saint's day, we take the time to talk a little bit about their life and the way that they modeled a relationship with Jesus and the way that God used them to impact the world for Jesus Christ. And then we ask the Lord, Lord, in those ways that this saint followed you, may we be more like them. That's a very important part of who we are as Anglicans. We do not concentrate on them exclusively. And that's important for us to understand, though. Because we set our eyes deliberately on Jesus, the author and the perfecter or finisher of our faith. Jesus pioneers a way for believers through the uncharted territory of this world, perfecting our faith as we follow him. So we must, like pilgrims, travel light by laying aside every weight and sin that clings so closely to us, willingly enduring hardships as they come until the joyful encounter, when we joyfully encounter him face to face. We will go through difficult times, trying times, suffering times, but our hope is in Jesus. And while we are alive here on this earth, we are to pray in the way that Jesus taught us for his kingdom to come now in our life, in our church, in our family, like it is in heaven. So All Saints celebrates the baptized people of God, living and dead, who are the body of Christ. As November announces the falling leaves and dying landscapes, except around here, especially in the northern regions, the readings and the liturgy, they call us to remember all who have died in Christ and whose baptism is complete. The reason I'm talking a lot about baptism is because we're having baptisms this morning. So let's look at our reading from Revelation chapter 7. The early church was experiencing tremendous persecution, and that's very important for us to understand when we look at, at Revelation. He was giving them ultimate reality and encouraging them to hold on to it in the midst of this terrible nightmare that they found themselves in. 
And the reality is that the Creator God and the Lamb have already won the victory. The victory which means that those who follow the Lamb are rescued. They've experienced salvation. And the reality is that the people who claim the Lamb's protection may still have to come through a time of great suffering, but they will then find themselves in the true reality in God's throne room, worshiping and serving Him day and night with great, abundant, and exuberant joy. So there was this huge multitude which nobody could ever count, clothed in white for victory and purity, this crowd carrying palm branches as a further sign of victory celebration, and they can't restrain their enthusiasm. They're shouting out their delight, praise, and thanks to God and the Lamb because they have won the victory which has brought them their salvation. So we are joining in the Mass with millions of other living saints around the world and billions of of faithfully departed saints who are worshiping around the throne room of God. So when we get to the Apostles' Creed, we say this, the resurrection of the dead. The Nicene Creed, we say, we look for the resurrection of the dead. Excuse me. I think the Apostles' Creed, we say the resurrection of the body. And the Nicene Creed, we say the, we look for the resurrection of the dead. Many worshipers were, will cross themselves. I remember uh, when I first uh, came here as your rector, um, I, as you know, I was uh, not green as a pastor, but I was still a little bit green when it came to Anglicanism, and I learned a lot of things from you. And, uh, but one of the things that um, I, I didn't understand is why people cross themselves at this particular time. And do you know, I refused to do it until I understood why. So a couple weeks later, I went up the, the stairs and I knocked on Bishop Bill's door and I said, I need to talk to you about something. I don't understand this and I'm not going to do it until I do. And I remember him explaining this to me and I remember just weeping. And because that's something in my background in the evangelical Protestant world that we didn't do. And so I wanted to understand it. So I want to explain why we do this. Now, this is a shortened version. Because through the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we are closely connected to this great cloud of witnesses. We're entangled, we're intertwined, we're family with the people of God. And so that's, that's one important reason. So we're connected to them. So this, there is this thin layer of separation, connectedness, entanglement with those who have faithfully died. And we wait for the resurrection of the dead. And the life to come, when God truly makes all things new, when He makes the new heavens and the new earth. And so all of this is through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And this is why some make the sign of the cross at these times, as well as other times in the service. The whole of the Christian life is, in a sense, and please hear this, the whole Christian life, in a sense, is captured in the sacrament of baptism. The Christian life is a baptismal life. And it is about dying and rising with Christ. God has been working and wooing and inviting us to come and to follow Him. And the spiritual journey happens even before we actually say yes. And regardless of when we were baptized as an infant or an adult, baptism marks our initiation into the church, the family of God. Baptism, on the one hand, is a one-time experience, as the Scripture says, One faith, one Lord, 
one baptism. And that's why it's important in our theology that when someone has been baptized in a Christian church in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we do not rebaptize them. And so, uh, so in one sense, it is a one-time experience. But on the other hand, baptism is a way of life in which we are called to walk in this baptismal covenant each day we live. Theologians often compare baptism with the Jewish rite of circumcision. Jewish males experience the rite of circumcision when they're eight days old. And long before they are able to understand the meaning of circumcision, they are invited into the people of God and into the covenant with God on the basis of having been born parents of the covenant. And likewise, when we understand that picture and understand that in the Christian um, um, aspect, Um, And once baptized, they are also now called to live according to that covenant if they want to enjoy its blessings. So baptism is a matter of the heart that now longs to live for God. And for baptism to be fully baptism, it must not stop when we leave the font. It must become more and more the mold that shapes our lives. And I hope that you hear that that is so important. I might say, if you don't remember anything else, remember this. But hopefully you'll remember a little bit more too. But but it's becoming more and more the mold that shapes our lives. It, It must become more and more the compass point from which we chart each day's course, suppressing the old person and growing in the new. So we hold our lives constantly before the mirror of our baptismal vows and seek to bring our lives ever more fully in line with the vision that these vows express. And in so doing, we're entering a little more each time into what God has done for us in this sacrament, calling into the present the power of what historically happened in the past through Jesus' death and resurrection deepening our understanding of what we could never fully understand at the time of our baptism, especially infants and small children, and appropriating more and more the grace that's made available to us. So we're called to live out the sacrament of our baptism day by day so as to enter a little more each time into the new life that baptism opens up for each of us. You know, water quenches thirsts. Water brings new life in dry places. Water helps when you're thirsty uh, and your throat is dry. Water cleans. And in the baptismal service, water is a symbol of all of those things. It represents God's promise to cleanse us from our sins and His willingness to offer us a new start, a new slate. And we believe it's even more than a symbol. We believe that God is present in this sacrament. And through a means of grace, God promises to meet us there in this moment. All of this is available to us from God. God comes mysteriously and meets us in this water through His grace. In water baptism, we are buried with Christ in His death, and by it we share in His resurrection, living a new life of grace. So during baptism, we renounce all that is not from God, capturing the essence of the baptismal life as an ongoing turning from And as early as the 3rd century, baptismal liturgies included the formal renunciation of Satan, his servants, and his works. 
And we follow this today as we will ask, number one, do you renounce the devil and all the spiritual forces of wickedness that rebel against God? And number two, do you renounce the empty promises and deadly deceits of this world that corrupt and destroy the creatures of God? And number three, do you renounce the sinful desires of the flesh that draw you from the love of God? So not only do we renounce, but we reach out for, we turn to all that that is from God, and we make promises. So in our baptismal covenant, we also turn to Jesus Christ and confess Him as our Lord and Savior. We joyfully receive the Christian faith as revealed in the Holy Scriptures of the Old and New Testaments. And number three, we obediently keep God's holy will and commandments and walk in them all the days of our life. So the baptismal life is not a solo venture, and that's very, very important, particularly in our world that is all about individualism, and you find it in a lot of churches as well, and it's not a pretty thing. There is no such thing as a solo venture as a Christian. We journey together toward Christ's likeness. In other words, Christ is being formed in us through spiritual formation and discipleship in the church with God's people so that we can be on mission with him every day of our life, sharing and showing God's love and grace and mercy, the good news of God's kingdom to the world. Now, throughout Christian history, for 2,000 years, being baptized means that we join the family of the church, and what a family it is. It's not always a perfect family. I think we have experienced um, very painful times in churches. Is anyone here? Okay, I have too. Um, but at the same time, we can't do this apart from the church. This is the way that Jesus Christ has, has designed this to be, is that we're part of this family. But we're, we're broken people, and we're, 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 that they're being formed and changed and growing to be the kind of people. Um, uh, and, and so that's what's happening in, for us. We make mistakes, we learn, we grow. If we are humble and submissive to God, Uh, then we will learn and we will grow and we will reconcile and we will become the people. The answer for a broken church is not to avoid church. The answer to a broken church is to realize it's broken because you belong to it. And we're all being formed. And you know what? That helps us to provide a little bit of grace to those that we worship with, right? Now, I I don't want you to be mad at me my first day back from sabbatical. I'm just just being honest with you. And and so we're broken people, but we're learning and we're growing and becoming the kind of people that God wants us to be. But it is is a great family. Around 2 billion people around the world today claim to be Christian. Now, we can go around the world and find ourselves related to people whom we are connected to through baptism. So baptism at its heart is about the gift of God, God's gift of life, Not only physical life, but the offer of spiritual life. Life in the kingdom forever, which begins now. So this morning I have the privilege to baptize three babies and two adults. And I will baptize them by pouring water over their heads three times in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And and I will anoint them with the sign of the cross on their forehead. It's an extraordinary moment. Because that is the sign by which we understand that this person belongs to God. And regardless of ages, there will be good times and there will be bad times in life. But through baptism, we're bringing God in the middle of it all, or maybe better said this way, we are bringing ourselves good and bad through the passion and pain of life into the story of God, where God rules and reigns as Father and King. 
So for infants and young children, parents and godparents who have responded to that love will, bring, will come to bring the, the child for baptism. And before this congregation, they must express their own trust and commitment to the promises of God and their intention to bring up the, their children in faith and practice in the church. And this is not to be taking, taken lightly. If you know me, you know I don't do rituals for ritual's sake. And I don't believe that, it's a, that people just come back just to get a ritual done and then they disappear for years. I, I just don't do that. It's not the way we do things. We don't go through rituals for ritual's sake. But it's important when people make promises like this that they are willing to live into them. And so that's important for all of us to, to understand. And this is very important, and I hope that you'll listen to this. In due time, somewhere around their early teens, these children should make their own response to God and be prepared for and be confirmed when they make the faith their own. So once again, looking back at our Jewish roots, the Jewish males were circumcised at eight days old, but at the age, somewhere around 13, the Jewish girls had a bat mitzvah and a boys a bar mitzvah. This was the Jewish coming of age ritual. Now in the Christian church, a baptized infant or a young child around 13 must make the faith their own. And through proper preparation, discipleship, training, through the catechism, a child has the option to say yes to their baptismal vows that their parents and godparents and sponsors made on their behalf and therefore make the Christian faith their own, thus being a Christian, or to reject it and to be a non-Christian. And since repentance and faith are necessary for salvation, when these infants come of age, they must make the decision to either turn from their sin and to put their faith in Christ, which would be to make the vows their parents made um, for them their own or not. So individual repentance and faith is essential to come to and follow Jesus Christ. It's, it is the parents and godparents and church's responsibility to make sure the children are brought up in the faith and in the church so that they can make the faith their own in confirmation. I want to remind you, the church can't do this by, this, by itself. Parents can't do it by it themselves. Grandparents can't do it by themselves. Godparents can't do it by themselves. It takes all of us. It takes a church to, be, to baptize. It takes parents to, to, you know, we're all involved and we all have a responsibility in forming these children in the ways of God. So God's salvation is available to all of us. And if you have not yet experienced his salvation and you have not yet been baptized, I encourage you to consider it and make an appointment, please, to talk with me or in a couple weeks, Father Mike. God's love is offered without conditions to all people in all circumstances, always because of the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This love is made available to all who repent and to turn to Jesus Christ. Baptism is an obedience issue. And if you know and follow Jesus, Jesus commands us to be baptized. So we invite you to respond to this invitation. Do not grow weary in doing good. You know why? Because we are the people of God. We are all saints. In the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit.